Broadcasting by the sea in sunny San Diego, this is the Ascended Masters at Work show, where we lift the veil of mysticism and reveal ancient secrets brought to earth by the world's greatest spiritual teachers. Here we share real-life stories that change lives and widen our eyes. And now, here is your host and spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. Good afternoon, everyone, and I am excited to say I'm actually by the sea in my Mexico home, and I'm so excited to be here because it's so relaxing, and the energy is absolutely amazing. And as I look out my window while I'm talking to you, I can see the beautiful Sea of Cortez that's glistening in the background, and I feel so great. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful day. And we're going to have so much fun with our guest today. She's such a special, special lady. And I got to be on her show too called Transition Radio. And she actually does her show on Tuesdays. But anyway, I want to let you know that we have a grief and addictions therapist coming on the line. So if you've had a hard time with grief, And that could be almost anything. It could go from losing a a dear friend or relative or family member. It could be losing a job. It could be, let's see, maybe a relationship that failed. There's so many different things that could cause grief. And, you know, I wanted to talk to all of you because grief, it moves right into some kind of addiction. And what am I talking about? addiction maybe it's alcohol drugs sugar oh that's my addiction i have a terrible time with sugar and then there's things like too much working out who would think that would be a bad thing but or throwing ourselves into our work and i've done that before so i know what that's all about now this lady is a best-selling author she's a keynote speaker And as I said, she has Transition Radio Talk Show, and it airs on channel AM 1170, The Answer. So for more than 20 years, she's been passionate about helping people navigate the stress of challenge and change. Wow, none of us like change, although I kind of do because I travel a lot, so I must be okay with change, but not everybody is. Ease and eliminate stress, depression, anxiety, and the conditions they exacerbate, like waking, ouch, relationship distress, career challenges, lack of energy, and self-destructive addictive behavior. You are going to meet Paula Shaw today, and she's the author of Chakras, The Magnificent Seven, which she wrote in 2002, as well as Grief. When will this pain ever end? Isn't that a great name for a book? Grief, when will this pain ever end? Finding your way out of the depths of despair after profound loss. And it was released on June 15th, 2015. So welcome, Paula Shaw, to the show. Hi, Paula. Hi, Shirley. I'm so delighted to be here with you today. We have lots of fun things to talk about, don't we? I'm so excited to We have a lot to talk about, a lot. And, you know, you have a lot of credentials after your name, C-A-D-C, D-C-E-P. What do those mean? Can you explain that to the listeners? 
I sure can. CADC is Certified Alcohol and Drug Abuse Counselor, and DCEP is a Diplomat of Comprehensive Energy Psychology. Energy psychology tools are one of the pathways of mind-body tools that we have found to be incredibly effective, especially because so much of our behavior is based on what's going on in the subconscious, which is 95% of our mind functioning, and not the conscious, which is only 5% of our mind functioning. So the problem so many of us have is we're trying to fix a problem with only 5% of our ability. So much of it begins in the subconscious mind, and energy psychology tools help us access that very easily. Mm, awesome. Thank you so much for that explanation. I didn't want to give those credentials out and without hearing what they were because I know they're so important to your work. Now, I have a question regarding um, people who end up grieving. You know, it never happens at a good time. Have you ever noticed that, Paula? <laughs> too true, Shirlene. Absolutely too true. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes about at the very worst time possible. So I want to ask you, you know, what is grief and why is it important to do the work to heal their grief? Well, grief really is the normal, natural response to any kind of loss. And while so many people think of grief only in connection with death, grief happens as a result of any loss. So it could be the loss of your home, the loss of your job, a loss of identity. I especially see this a lot in men who have retired. You know, they, and, and some women who are very, very um, identified with their careers as well. Any kind of loss, even if you lose your favorite ring or uh, you move, you know, you've lost everything familiar breakups of relationships, divorce, they all create grief. So grief is actually not an emotion. I think a lot of people think it is, especially because sometimes people will say, gosh, you don't look so good, what's going on? And you'll say, I'm grieving. But grief mm -hmm. is really, it's really a genre of emotions because grief can look like sadness, grief can look like depression, it can be anxiety or fear or hyperactivity. You know, it can show up in many, many ways. Grief has many faces. So some one person will experience grief one way and somebody else may experience it completely differently, but they're all grieving. Mm, wow, and I, you know, we didn't even mention the loss of a pet. Oh my gosh, oh my I have a sister-in-law who just lost her cat and she blew off all the family birthday parties because she lost her cat. So mm -hmm. that must be a tremendous loss, maybe as much as a family member, right? Well, for some people, you know what, it's even huger because our animals are really the only place we get consistent, unconditional love. Human beings strive to love unconditionally, mm. but it's pretty hard for us, you know? There's always a little bit of a, well, if you do what I really want you to do, I'll love you kind of thing in mm. human. 
But those animals, God bless them, they love you no matter what you do. And that's part of, I think, what makes it so magical to have an animal in your life. And for many people, especially those who don't have children, those animals are their children. And remember, animals, they, they're furry and they're four-legged, but they're beings. You know, they are little beings and that we exchange love with them. And the investment we have in them sometimes is greater than the investment we have in other humans. Mm, I know exactly what you mean because my dog's 16 years old now, my little Deanie, and uh, she got hurt the other day and it was haunting. I just didn't know what to do until I could get her to the vet. So I know how people feel like about that. And then, you know, I was going through this thing where I felt like a bad mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, I know what that means. And, you know, I've had it happen with clients, too, where they'll be totally baffled. They'll say, I've cried harder over the loss of my dog than I did over the loss of my mom or my dad. And what Mm -hmm. that's really about is probably for some reason, either the condition of the relationship or where the person themselves was at at that time, they weren't able to fully express their grief over the mom or the dad or whoever it was. Then when the loss of the animal comes, for some reason it seems to release any of the unhealed, unexpressed grief from prior events. Mm. Wow, maybe that's why it's so hard when an animal passes over is because we connect with every other grief that we didn't resolve before we move forward. Mm -hmm. And that can be true even in a loss of another person. You know, sometimes one grief event we don't feel able to fully express or it's so devastating that we sort of put put the stops on subconsciously and we don't fully express the pain because, in fact, I've heard men say this more than women. They've actually said, I was afraid if I started to cry, I'd never be able to stop. And so sometimes when that kind of fear is on board, we don't allow ourselves to feel the pain at all, or we really try to minimize it or just get busy. That's a big one in our society because it's so easy to do. We just get busy and then, well, we don't really have time to feel it. And then we're so exhausted at the end of the day, we just pass out of sleep and then we get up and we get busy again. But the Mm. problem with doing that is the grief doesn't go away. The grief is just being put on hold, and we have to remember that anything we push down requires energy to keep it down, and Mm -hmm. anything we feed energy to actually grows. So sooner or later, when you have that moment of stillness, when you aren't busy doing something, all that pain is going to come welling up like a tsunami. And, you know, in grief, one of those sayings from the old days is true. The only way out is through. We have to walk through mm. it. We have to feel the pain. Wow, that's beautiful. We yeah. have to experience it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, it's hard. Well, we have a lot of people in the queue that will keep you ready for a question, Paula. Sure. Okay, so we have Amy on line two. So, Amy, are you there? You're from Indiana. Yes, I am. Thank you for taking the call. 
You're welcome, Amy. Thank Thanks you, for Paula. your patience. Hi, Amy. Oh, anytime. Hi. I am very interested in learning more about the energy psychology tools and having grieved for my parents at a young age, I can tell the viewers or the listeners that, yes, trying to quell the pain and trying to push it down, it will lead to the addictions that you're talking to, uh, talking about as far as the, um, I had an experience with alcoholism after my father passed away when I was in my 20s. And mm-hmm. after that, you know, I, I did some counseling and did some self-analyzation, and now I don't drink anymore. But it does just come up, and it, it's like I tell my children now, um, we are experiencing with my husband He's been diagnosed with stage four metastatic melanoma. And Mm. I told them, you know, don't hold anything in because if you do, it's like shaking up a can of soda. And whenever, what happens when you open that can of soda after you've shaken it? And my 12 and 14 year old said, it's going to explode. And I said, no, if you just open a can of soda just a little bit, what happens? You let some of the pressure out. So... With the energy psychology tools, how do you how do those work to help get the pain out? That's a great question, Amy. And by the way, I love that analogy you used with the can of soda because that's so true. You know, when we bury our feelings, they're not going away. They're just being tucked away somewhere, and and sometimes they actually gain spe- steam. And what we need to do, first of all, is acknowledge what we're really feeling. Sometimes we're afraid to even admit it to ourselves, you know, and unless you have some really good dear friends that you can sit down with and be totally honest with, or a therapist or a grief professional, you you may be afraid to even express the depths of your feelings to yourself. I mean, you're dealing with something very frightening right now with your husband in this diagnosis. And so I, I, I love what you've told your sons because, yeah, this is scary. Yeah, this is awful. Yeah, this is real. And we can't just get busy and pretend it's not there. Now, at the same time, if there's treatment going on and there's hope, let's focus on that. You know, every time we think of dad, let's think of him whole and healthy. You know, one of the things we really work with in energy psychology is visualizing positively, putting light around a situation rather than focusing on the scariest possible outcome or the darkness. So. There are also other tools that could be helpful, like EFT. Um, yeah, I have a phone that never rings, and of course now it's ringing. Anyway, hopefully you can ignore that. EFT is a method that we use where we are actually tapping on meridian points. And what we've found in the latest research is that that causes calming signals to go to the amygdala, that part of your brain that prepares you for fight, flight, or freeze. And when we, we tap, and these are the same acupoints they use in acupuncture. So when we tap those points, 
it's actually sending calming signals to the amygdala. So in your case, Amy, one of the things you might want to share with your sons is focus on your fear about dad or focus on, you know, what, what you're scared about or what's upsetting and then tap. You can even just tap the points on the side of your eye. They're right on those bones on the side of your eye. Those are the points that were used in a study that was done at Harvard. And what they saw by doing an, M an fMRI in real time was that it actually sent calming signals to the amygdala, basically saying you can chill even though this reality still exists. So it's kind of a way of rewiring the brain and it works incredibly well. There's a lot of information on the internet about EFT, emotional freedom technique. And that's just one of the tools that we use in energy psychology. Wonderful, thank you, Paula. Did that answer your question, Amy? Yes, it did, and Paula, so reassuring. But how do you get others, like others within your support network, to also see and focus on the positive whenever you're trying to focus on the positive and the light, and there are others who are trying to put that light, put a bushel over that light? That's a great question, Amy. And in fact, one of the gifts that I'm going to be offering our listeners today is a document I've created that's called 20 Things to Say and Not to Say to People in Pain. And part of that document is some of the things to say when you're the person who is in pain. And so that would be you in your case. And, you know, we all know that usually people are coming from love. But sometimes the things they say are not helpful. They can even be abusive because oftentimes people are just passing on what was said to them at some point, you know, like just keep busy and you'll feel better. That's not helpful. Or God, you know, God knows what he's doing or God needs more than you do or these kinds of things are not helpful. But people say them sometimes, you know, because they just don't know what to say. Another thing that we have to remember is if the people around us are also experiencing their own grief, they might not be of the best mind to be helpful themselves. So what I suggest is to be kind, to be clear, and be honest. And perhaps say something like, I know that you're coming from love and I appreciate that you're trying to help, but what I really need from you is, and then fill in the blank, what I really need from you is positive thinking and positive talk. What I really need from you is just to give me a hug. What I really need from you is just to take a walk with me in silence. Whatever it is that you need, go ahead and express it honestly and kindly. Does that help, Amy? Yes, it does. You are just wonderful, Paula. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thank James. you, Amy. And we're going to go to Luis in California now on line one. Luis, are you there? Yes. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for your patience. What is your question, Louise? Uh, I, actually, I, I'm very, I know Paula. Uh, I'm glad that I got a chance to 
get through the line. And I just had a question with regards to um, to grief. I know that um, Paula was mentioning it's not always about death. It can be about various things. And one of my challenges has always been is getting when you care about somebody or love somebody, specifically a friend, or um, and you realize that maybe something where you may have to walk away from that friendship because it's too toxic or it's just not helping you as a person uh, to grow and continue. And I've gone through that stage before where I lost my best friend, but not through death. It was just, it was becoming too much of a burden and a drama. But it took me a while to get over that friendship to where it was difficult for me to have a friend, like anybody call me a best friend. So I guess guess my question is, uh, what is the best thing you can do when you're walking away from very close friendships that you've had for years? Mm, what a great question. That's a really good one, Paula. <laughs> it is, and, and it's a very tough experience to do that, Luis. Uh, I, my heart is with you. I've had to do it too. And I think the first thing is to be really clear in your own mind why you need to step away because that's what's going to fuel you and keep you strong because it's very hard not to get seduced back into well maybe it wasn't that bad or maybe i'll try you know this happens in relationships all the time maybe i'll just try it another month or another week or maybe it'll be different next week but once you're totally clear that this relationship is toxic for you then you know, the best thing to do, I think, is to lovingly, in 12-step in programs, they call it detach with love. And so I would tell the person right up front, I'm going to need to step back from our friendship for a while, or maybe for good, whatever you're thinking, because I'm just realizing it's too difficult for me to hear you talking about this or to see you doing that or whatever it is that they are doing that's difficult for you. Um, and, And when you tell the truth, it's important because then you're keeping the whole thing very clean energetically. And the energy that you really want to be coming from is, I love you, but I have to take care of myself. That's my first job. Even with our family members, we have to take care of ourselves because if we don't and we, we just get drained by the energy of being in a relationship with someone else, pretty soon the well is dry and we don't have anything to give anybody, including ourselves. So I really commend you, Luis. It's not an easy thing to do, but stay with it if you know in your heart that it's the right thing for you. So, Paula, I want to ask you, what do you do when it's a family member? When it's a family? How do you you parlay out of a relationship when it's a family member? Certainly, that's more difficult. And Mm -hmm. sometimes with family members, we still have to see them at family events because you don't necessarily want to boycott the whole family. Um, And in that case, I would say always be kind, always be considerate and polite. But you just don't have to really engage in, in a deep way with that person anymore. And, and just let them know 
separate from, you know, like we don't want to do this at Thanksgiving dinner. You, know, you don't want to make the announcement in front of everybody and your mother's going to cry and your father's going to go, oh my God, you know, and then everybody gets in the drama. So that's not the time to do it. We want to have a private conversation with whoever it is we need to detach from. And then if you need to see them at other family gatherings, just be a kind, considerate human being. But you don't have to engage on any intense level. Mm, okay. So I really heard you in where you said be kind, um, mm-hmm. and and but you don't have to engage with them. You can stay on the other side of the room or talk to other family members and try and uh, avoid a conversation with that person. Is that did I get that right? Exactly. Exactly. Just because you're related by blood doesn't mean you have to be in each other's lives. And, you know, it often happens that like clients I'm dealing with, whether they're trying to get clean from addictions or they're trying to change patterns of behavior in their life, sometimes it's critical to step away from those toxic relationships that fed the addictions in the first place. Mm. Wow, that's a really good point. Really good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to move on to Dr. J.J. Sawyer in San Diego. Are you there, J.J.? I am. I'm on speaker. There you are. Hello. <laughs> Hi, J.J. Uh, I always love hearing your voice. I'm so glad you're with us today. Uh, and Oh, and, um, I know you have a really question for Paula, I'm sure. Oh, I've enjoyed this. You know, it, this this conversation, I just wish I was in the room, uh, as well as the other people that ask the questions. <laughs> it, it, this is really, really good. You know, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to family, that question and that statement that you asked, Charlene, about how do you do it when it's with family? I, this is my personal opinion, then I got a question. But I personally think a lot of our issues are from family. Um, and you talked about the subconscious mind, and we're raised with all these different things. And so some of these addictive behaviors really are coming from uh, our family. And so then when you grow up and start realizing, then how do you separate yourself? I just think this conversation is fabulous. Okay. Uh, we also talked about Very and, true. And, and, well, thank you. Then you talked about crying, and, you know, I'm dealing with a niece, and so I'm going to re- be uh, – suggesting she reach out to you, Paula, because she really did have a difficulty with crying. And when we spoke about it, um, she, she, one reason why she has a, a hard time crying is because she doesn't want to feel vulnerable. And then, mm-hmm. and then she wants to always feel strong for people. And so she, she doesn't allow herself to cry. So that, you know, crying to me, I, I don't like to cry either, but I know crying makes me feel better because it's just like the rain. When the rain comes and then when it goes away, all the trees, everybody starts to glisten, the sun comes out. Uh, And so I try to keep that analogy in my head when I'm crying because I know tomorrow the sun's going to come out. So my question that I want to ask you, because as I'm thinking about what you're saying as far as grief and addiction, do you think self-destructive, addictive behavior is the result of grief? Does it come from uh-uh. grief? So, so people um, out there that are addicted, do you think that it's always coming from the grief 
Okay. It actually is my belief. It's my belief, JJ, that all self-destructive addictive behavior has at its core this deep emotional pain that never got healed. And most Mm. of the time, it's coming from some loss that created grief that just was never reconciled. Think about the losses that happen in it. Like a woman who was on my radio show the other day, she grew up with alcoholic parents. She's written a book about her journey with her alcoholic brother. So we looked at why did the brother become an alcoholic? Here he was, this beautiful, sensitive, creative child, and he couldn't make sense out of why his parents were behaving the way they were. He, he didn't understand why there was violence and yelling and screaming in the home. So there was all this wounding going on. And so then when he got older, here's what had been modeled for him all these years. You know, what was a way to alter reality? In that case, it was drinking. For many people, they, they have this ongoing emotional pain. Sometimes it's even low grade. And then their friends say, hey, try a hit of this weed or try some Xanax or they, they get into some, sometimes it's a behavior. Could be gambling, could be working out. It could be work. There are many substances and behaviors that take our focus off the emotional pain. And so we get a moment of relief, a moment of pleasure, and the brain associates that with the behavior. So the brain wants more of that. That's far more seductive and far more pleasant to experience than the emotional pain. And that's how the addiction cycle gets going. Mm. Wow, that was a beautiful way to answer that. All right, everybody, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Paula Shaw. She's giving us some awesome information. And uh, we've got Mylea from California, San Diego, actually, coming up next. Be right back. There's a question many of us ask ourselves when we are grieving. When will this pain ever end? Life Transition Coach and Grief Recovery Specialist Paula Shaw wants you to know there is light at the end of the tunnel. In her new best-selling book, Paula gives you information and practical exercises you can use right away in your recovery process, including breathing methods, the emotional freedom technique, energy psychology work, and many other healing tools. Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End? Available now on Amazon.com. Is living in today's fast-paced world making you feel stressed and out of balance? Are anxiety, sleeplessness, depression, lack of focus, or weight gain robbing you of your relationship and your energy? If you're ready for change, you need to call Paula Shaw at Rebalancing You. Paula helps you identify and eliminate self-sabotaging thinking and behavior. Using a wide variety of mind-body techniques, she provides her clients with the most effective processes for their specific needs. To book a rebalancing session with Paula, call 858-480-9200. That's 858-480-9234. And welcome back. I'm so excited that we have Paula with us today. And I, uh, Mylia, I'm going to get to you in just a second, but I want to ask Paula, what I see so many people who maybe lose a parent or I think a child is most devastating. 
Um, and they just ignore the grief and try and go on like it never happened. What do you think the repercussions are of doing that? The repercussions can be huge, both on a physical and mental emotional level, because that kind of pain can't be ignored. So if you push it down, you don't experience it, you don't allow yourself to walk through it, it can become a disease, it could become cancer. In fact, cancer has been linked with unreconciled grief. Long ago, uh, O. Carl Simonton, who was head of the Cancer Institute at the time, um, re announced results of a study where they said that a lot of cancers showed up with, within six months to a year after a significant loss that had not been healed. So the repercussions can be huge emotionally as well as physically. Emotionally, a lot of times when people don't actually walk through the grief and heal it, they can develop behavior patterns or phobias or anxiety states, fear or depression. A lot of these things can become permanent states when they don't do the grief work. All of those things are a normal part of grief, but if we're doing the work, if we're expressing the feelings, processing through them, and then leaving an opening to experience the next thing, we can actually move through the pain and grow. But when we don't, then we can get stuck somewhere along the way, and that stuck place may be in a phobia, or it may be in a constant chronic depression. Uh, it may be in, in just a loss of energy and an apathetic mood that develops and doesn't want to go away. So yeah, I think the repercussions of not healing your grief can be huge. I mean, really, really wow. huge. That's, uh, I, you know, and you may may not even know why it's showing up or why you feel the way you did or why your perspective of what something is that happened is so out of range, right? I mean, it can really throw you off. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that we hadn't really talked about too much but touched on a little bit is that whole thing, uh, addiction that can evolve, you know, because we have mm -hmm. to find some way of coping with the pain. So you may find that having a, a hit of marijuana makes you feel better. Or like a client I was recently working with, she actually wasn't an alcoholic, but she went through this intense grief experience. And the next thing you know, she went sort of from zero to 60, which is actually a process called telescoping. And it often happens to women, especially, who are going through a severe loss and don't know how to cope. So she went from drinking moderately to drinking excessive cocktails every day and came to me in fear that she'd become an alcoholic. And, and really the answer was to just help her to process the grief in a way that was productive so that she didn't need to have those drinks to take the edge off the pain. Mm, wow. Well, let's get to Mylea. She's been very, very patient. Mylea, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? There she is. <laughs> Thanks for being so patient, yeah. Mylea. 
I and I always appreciate when you call in. So uh, tell us what your question is. Well, um, partly Paula has answered some of the question that I have in my mind. Um, I have a person that I'm very close to that I know that she's grieving, but it's what you said earlier was um, really um, struck me because I feel like she's in a grief pattern. And how do I help her move out of that? I've already, it's very, it's becoming toxic to me. So I've withdrawn quite a bit. Um, and that's healthy for me. I know, I know my boundaries there, but she still needs help. And she still kind of counts on me to help her. And I've suggested that she see a therapist. Um, but I'm not sure that she would be what I would qualify as someone that would lead to addiction, but she, it, it's, not, it's not getting any better for her. And mm -hmm. she is almost like she's addicted to her um, grief and the ups and downs and, you know, making a pattern. So I guess my question is how, what, what kind of tools can I refer her to or how can I help her as a friend? I don't want to not be her friend, but I need to be healthy and I need, and I still want to help her, but in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Well, you bring up so many good points, Mylia. So let me start by saying there is no prescribed way or length of time for grief. And too often people are kind of pushed through their grief. You know, like we only get three days off from work and maybe a week if you're lucky. And that's crazy because nobody is getting over a significant loss in, in a week. Um, so some people take a long time to process their grief and some people move through it rather quickly. You do bring up an excellent point that tools or some sort of processing is helpful. And yes, tools are helpful. Um, journaling, even just lighting a candle every morning, having a certain ritual that you practice, light that candle and perhaps think of what you're grateful for or, or think of some moments that you shared with the person that you've lost or the animal, whoever it might be. Processing is always better than not. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, the worst thing that happens is when people try to avoid the pain. In fact, I remember years ago reading in the newspaper when Mary Martin, the stage actress, died. There was an announcement in the paper that her family would be gathering later on in the year at a more convenient time. Oh, wow. For Memorial. Yeah. Can you imagine? And so, I mean, but what a statement about us as a society, you know, it's not convenient when grief strikes. It's like Charlene said earlier, there's never a good time. And we just have to, you know what, we have to stop whatever else is going on and do the grieving because it's what's up. It's what's real. And if we don't deal with what's real, it takes our energy to push it away. Mm -hmm. So I think you're wise. And the other thing you brought up that's really important, Mylia, you have to take care of yourself. And so 
it's really wise to know when to step back and to suggest that perhaps your friend gets professional help. You might even say, hey, I, I heard this woman on a radio show the other day and give her my information or direct her to my book, Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End? That you know she can find on Amazon. There are, in fact, I have a, um, a YouTube channel called Paula Shaw Counseling. And if you go to that channel, there are like 14 different processes I walk you through to help with grief. So there are many things people can do. And But what I do want to say to you is the most important thing you can do as a friend is to listen and to say to her, you know what, I love you and I am here for you. But I, I need to have a boundary about, you know, us going over the story over and over again. Or I need to, if you call her, I've only got 10 minutes because I have to do this. Or, you know, you need to also put some boundaries in place to protect yourself because griefers are like drowning people. And you know what they say, if you're trying to save a drowning person, you don't grab them because they could pull you under. So you want to toss her a lifeline and, and give her some help and let her know that you're there, that you love her, but don't get dragged under. You know, right. taking care of yourself is also your right, right and your responsibility. Wow, great question. Yeah, I think part of the, yeah, I think Questions, part of the problem is there are different, thank you. You're welcome, thank you for your question. Okay, and we're going to move on to Barbara on line five. We have a lot of people that want to talk to you today, Paula, it's amazing. So Barbara, tell us about your question. Hi Paula, this is Barbara. Hi, Barbara. I am having a, a problem, and I don't know that I can put my finger on it, but I've been having asthma attacks. And I, I think that I'm a relatively stable woman. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing a lot of things. But I just have these asthma attacks, and I, I just can't get my breath. And I, mm -hmm. I can't pinpoint what's going on with me. Wow, that's and very interesting. Mm. Well, I would I'd come from a couple of perspectives here, Barbara. Uh, your lungs are in the in the area of your heart chakra. So it's pretty safe to say that underneath this difficulty with breathing is some kind of emotional reason, some kind of emotional cause. I actually believe that under everything physical is something emotional and sometimes lungs can mean uh, lung difficulties can mean that you're tired of life or that something in life feels overwhelming or has become a burden or something in life is too difficult it's unacceptable so i don't know if you may have experienced something in your life that has really taken a toll on you or or just been, you know, beyond the bounds of what you ever thought you would have to experience or or that, you know, you could bear experiencing. But what I would say mm, is... Well... Oh, is something ringing a bell there? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you are ringing a bell. I, uh, I'm having some difficulties with a, a daughter-in-law, which is causing me not to see my son. 
And I never put those two together. Oh, my goodness. That's really huge because your son, that's your, you know, your primary connection. And when something else or someone else is causing a difficulty in that area, that's really huge. In fact, I almost want to say it takes my breath away when I hear that kind of thing happening. <laughs> and I wonder yeah. if it's taken your breath away. You know how when you get punched in the stomach, you can't breathe? You know, for your uh -huh. child to step away from you is like a punch in the stomach. And um, and it makes it very difficult, especially if, I don't know, do you know, did you do something terrible, Barbara? Do we have to call you out on this? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. It seemed to come out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, see, that's even worse. Uh, when, when you don't know why. Yeah, it, it really, yeah, I don't have no idea. Wow. No idea. So here's what I would say. Yes. Since you can't fix whatever's going on with them, since you don't even know what's wrong, if you've tried to oh, communicate, no. if you've tried to communicate and, and ask what's wrong and not gotten a response, then you have to just focus on taking care of yourself. So one of the things I would that sort of comes to me intuitively when I hear asthma and I think about difficulty in breathing, I mean, breath is critical mm -hmm. to life, right? It, it's critical to life. And, and there's Absolutely. a little process that's very easy to do where you just cross your hands over your upper chest and there are some points right in front of your armpits. You can really feel them if you lift your elbows and there's a, a kind of a, uh, oh, what's the word I want? Um, a hollow. Indentation? Hollow, yeah. If you lift your elbows, there's yeah. a hollow there right in front of your armpits. And those are very powerful points in Chinese acupuncture, the lung alarm points, and uh -huh. they'd be very powerful points in this kind of situation. And you simply hold those points and say what you're releasing. So you might start with releasing, I release this difficulty with breathing and just keep saying it and then try to take a breath. And, and maybe what we've learned lately in some of the latest neuroscience research is that yawning puts the brain into this whole relaxed state and can help to tear down the consolidation of difficult experiences and memories. So try this, holding the points I release my difficulty in breathing and then yawn. Just, you know, pretend to yawn, but okay. you'll find it start coming naturally pretty quickly. And repeat it again. <laughs> and, and then you can even think it. But saying things out loud allows your brain to process them in two ways, you know, because you're having the auditory processing as well as the thought processing. So I would try that, Barbara. Just holding those points, say what you want to release, and then say something like, I release all the roots and origins, thoughts and energy fields surrounding my difficulty with breathing. And then if you want to get really fancy after you've done that and you start experiencing it, you could if you, you're thinking that maybe the breathing has something to do with the loss of your son and the separation from your son. You can release any angst over the separation from your son. So you can release whatever you want to, just hold those lung alarm points 
and see how that works for you. And I would I'll love think, to yeah. hear from you. Yeah. I will you try know. that and I will get back to you. And I'm going to give a Most phone definitely. number that you could reach me at and my website and all of that information. So let me know how you do with that. I'd really like to know. Go ahead, Paula, really and give your phone number for how she can reach you. Sure. Um, um, the best way to reach me would be at 626-864-864-0756. Or... 64056, okay. You can or, also email me at P, as in Paula, Shaw, S-H-A-W, Light, L-I-G-H-T, at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, and here's what I'd like to share with all of you. If you go to my website, you'll see on the home page, you can put your email address in, and you will receive a PDF of my favorite and my most requested handout, which is called 20 Things to Say and Not to Say to People in Pain. Because we all get scared when one of, someone we love is hurting because we don't know what to say or what to do, just like some of the questions that were asked today. And on this handout, I give you 20 concrete statements that are good to say and that are helpful to say. I give you 20 that are not helpful to say. And then I also give 20 statements to that you can use if you're the person in pain and people are saying things to you that aren't particularly helpful. And some responses that can help you in coming back to them lovingly, but putting up some much needed boundaries. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll be back in Thank just you. a minute to you. give some final thoughts from Paula. So we'll be right back. Attention professional authors, coaches, and small business owners. What if you could increase your sales authentically without scripts or the pain of rejection? If you are a realtor, you can make more sales without the fear of being salesy. If you are an entrepreneur, you can eliminate the fear of feeling pushy, get more referrals, and add more money to your bank account with less effort. Welcome to Compel Don't Sell, the art of selling with heart. The next generation in relationship sales brought to you by Maximize Your Wealth Now. The reason that I took this course is because I needed to know how to market and sell in a way that doesn't make me feel bad. Compel Don't Sell totally comes from the heart and connects with people in a way that fits my style and how I would like to approach people. And it gave me the benefit of refining what I think and say about my business in a way that's professional, but still very warm and nurturing. I invested in Shirlene's uh, Compelled to Sell sales training program. And I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work with. The reason I took this course was because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not 
experience before. That's why I chose the class, because I wanted to sort of up-level my sales skills. And thank you, Shireen, for this amazing class. If you want to learn how to perfect your sales performance, build your bank account, and connect with more of your favorite clients, enter your contact information, and we'll show you how to use heartfelt sales to connect with more of the right prospects and significantly increase your income. Go to MaximizeYourWealthNow.com. Welcome back, everyone, and I'm so glad you're here with us today because we've learned an awful lot about grieving. I think you'd all agree, and I'm just so grateful that Paula Shaw was on here with us today, and you could call in and ask questions, and we're going to have Julia Stege next week. She's really something because she talks about branding from the heart, and I think she can give you some really great branding ideas for your business, so I'm really looking forward to having her on the show next week, next Thursday at 2 p.m. So, Paula, um, I just am so appreciative that you're here with us, and I wanted to ask you if you have any final thoughts. Mm, thank you, Shirlene. It's just been so much my delight to be here today. Um, I guess in terms of final thoughts, I would just say if you're dealing with a loss, if you're dealing with grief, take it seriously. Allow yourself to walk through the pain, allow yourself to have the grief. And you know what? We all know grief is part of life, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't help us to have some professional help when we're going through it. Because most of us didn't get grief 101 in high school and or college. So we really <laughs> don't know what to do that's helpful. And I think by finding out what's helpful, which you could do, uh, you know, if you want to, you can check out my book. It has lots of processes and helpful information in it. But, you know, if wherever you are, if there's someone, a grief professional in your town, or you're certainly welcome to call me, but go ahead and give yourself that gift. Get some help with your loss because healing productively can actually improve your life and, and build character. But when we don't heal productively, lots of problems can evolve, and we don't want that. Mm, excellent. And would you tell us once again how to get your your gift that tells everybody what to say and what not to say? I think that is the most awesome thing you have because I think we've all been in the same position where we've just been absolutely stuck, and we don't want to say the same thing for a hundredth time that everybody else has said. Exactly. Or maybe the damaging thing that everybody else has said. Yes. So just go to my website, paulashaw.com. And right there on the home page, you can put your email address in and you'll be taken right to a link. You click on that link and you will have the document in your hands. And I, I have to say, I'm really proud of it. It begins with saying what to say, an article that tells you what to say. The first thing it tells you is listen. So oh, that's awesome. Get your copy and check it out. And thank you for having me, Shirlene. This was lovely. I'm so glad to have been able to be with you and your listeners on your wonderful show. <laughs> thank you, Paula. 
And that's it for today. We'll be together again, as I said, next Thursday at 2 p.m. This is Shirlene Reeves, and I'll see you then.